0: Five four three two one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Flying from the top of the key is easy. It's the landings that kill your feet. That's why I fly with the pump from Reebok. When I pump up, my size thirteens get support, protection, and a custom fit. So, Michael, my man, if you want to fly first class, pump up and air out. Okay, that's the pump.
1: That's the, the pump.
0: pump. pump up and out. That's the pump commercial from 1989. Okay, mortgage mail hits a record high. Um, thanks for that, Rachel. But you know, it's only a high in the last two years. It's nothing compared to the 2008 probably total, um, which was about 20% higher than the mail is today. So I'll just basically skip that one. This was an interesting article. I didn't know about this. I don't have Apple products, but I just assume that everything on the internet is scannable, trackable, knowable. And uh, I skipped over an article about Google geo warrants um, that they claim that 25% of all warrants are, are uh, in America, are these geo warrants. And what, what law enforcement is doing is, if a crime is committed... Uh, they're, they're, uh, subpoenaing or whatever, uh, Google with a warrant to find out who was in the area, even if you had nothing to do with it. Right. And, um, you know, if that's all they've got, if you're, the if you have a questionable track record and are, uh, in the area and I mean, it's like, okay, you know, but it's sort of like, now we start with you guilty. So there's a lot of people complaining about that. Well, this is even more interesting. Apple has is planning to scan your iPhone, if you have one, which I don't. But, you know, like I said, there's no privacy in the world. God sees whatever you're doing. And so does uh, St. Nicholas, who knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. I always say that. Anyway, so always be good whether people, whether you think anybody's watching or not. Um, But what they're planning to do is, and a lot of people are are upset about it, ACLU and others. um, In the next operating system, it says that they want to combat uh, child sex abuse. And they're going to scan your phone, your iPhone, and they're going to match images on your phone with known um, offensive sites full of images or something. And if you get 30 or more hits on your phone, then they're gonna review it by human. And then if they deem that these are inappropriate photos uh, or illegal photos, then they'll notify the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which will alert the authorities. The tricky part is, is that once they put this capability on your phone, uh, they could scan it for, um, you know, let's say you were out in Minneapolis last summer watching the riots. And you were just thinking it's, you know, I mean, I remember being about eight or nine years old, marching with Father Grappi, downtown Milwaukee. My dad took me down there and we marched around. And imagine if that got violent, which it didn't, never did. Um, It was a, it was a racial protest, basically. And, um, and, uh, you know, nowadays, pictures of that could be compared with your location. I mean, with your, with your pictures, if you took pictures and, um, and you could be fingered for being part of the of the crime instead of being part of the audience of the crime uh basically it's a what the end of the article says is um it could easily be repurposed for surveillance or censorship the design wasn't restricted to a specific category of content so all you need is to compare whatever's on a phone with a with another set of content uh and, you know, it could be your family and who you're connecting with. And it could be anything, according to the people at Apple. Uh, anyway, so something to think about. Another reason to be careful with your digital media. And I've got a great article for Monday about about print and how print beat uh, social and Facebook. We'll put Facebook in a different category. And on recall and on ROI and fascinating we'll get into that next week um so now i want to get over to mark Ritson. adidas sale of reebok makes strategic sense all around and 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 you know again this isn't my field what Ree- reebok should be doing or what adidas should be doing but the reason i like mark is he generalizes it and makes it apply to just about everybody um reebok decided um Joseph William Foster was somebody you probably haven't heard of, but he had um, he had a couple of boys, and they decided to make tennis shoes, and uh, they were going to call it Reebok, which is an antelope in South Africa, but they took out the H and made it R-E-E-B-O-K, which is an Afrikaans alternative, so that's kind of cool. And you probably didn't know that. And uh, so they built Reebok. And the ensuing brand story is not about Foster, but about Paul Fireman. And Paul bought the brand and made it famous. And at one point, he bought it for $1.5 million to be their exclusive U.S. agent. And in the 80s, uh, Reebok was bigger than both Nike and Adidas, which is kind of interesting. Reebok... Um, uh developed uh, women's tennis shoes more. Uh, they signed Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson. Um, they had they had a better deal with... This is that ad I showed you just at the beginning of the show. In 88, Reebok had a 27% share of the athletic footwear market in the U.S. It did 50% more shoe sales in the U.S. than Nike. Okay, But the 90s were tougher for Reebok. Adidas and Nike fought back with big budget deals and uh, focused on urban street culture and sporting excellence. Reebok was not failing because they continued to have billion-dollar revenues, but the two big brands beat them up quite a bit. So Adidas acquired Reebok for $3.8 billion in 2006 to get a better share of the market in America. But... I would say it never worked out too well. And uh, and now Ritson goes on to explain why, which is what he's so great about. He says, a company must work out both the optimum number of brands in its portfolio and the manner in which those brands will and won't reference each other in front of consumers. There's this idea that there's going to be all of these economies of scale. We only need one accounting department. We only need one uh, we only need one production, you know, operations, COO, CFO, all of that. The problem is, for most companies is that their branding eyes are bigger than their management bellies. What I mean is that every company sees the advantages of operating multiple brands, revenues, synergies, shared costs, and scale. But almost none foresee the operational challenges that ensue before any of these advantages might be attained. Put more simply, most companies barely have the competence (laughs) to manage one brand, never mind navigating the multiplicitous hurdles that a portfolio brings. To go even further, (laughs) any moron can throw a single ball in the air and catch it. The trouble, the minute you have two, three, five balls in the air, most of us, are in trouble I didn't know that WC fields at one point held the record for the most number of balls in the air juggling apparently he was quite the juggler uh, although that's not how we remember him because you know he's pretty old by the time he got but by the time film caught on and we we see his uh, notable expression in film let's see if I can send this thing I'll send I'll try sending that again there oops I think I botched that. I mishit the enter key. There we go. Okay, so I just put up the link, and it went to YouTube, at least. If you're on Facebook, just go over to WDMA.org for the, for the meetup. <clears throat> anyway, when you, try to, uh, when you try to put that extra one ball, they all come tumbling down. Not just one, <clears throat> but all, right? And I know enough about juggling to know I've dropped them, them all most of the time. No, maybe you can hold them on when you see it collapsing. Hold on to one or two. And that's what Adidas is doing. and G makes it look easy. OK? LVHM has mastered it, but most average companies have neither the marketing muscle nor the appetite for investment that proper multi-brand management demands. You know, what, what happens with most companies is they really, really believe in one piece of their business. And they really want it to succeed. Now, it may not be the best part of the business. It may not be the most profitable. But it may solve the biggest problem, for example. Or it may get the most social recognition or something else. For whatever reason, the company rallies around that one part of itself. And others, you know, it's not that they get neglected, but they get neglected. I almost did a, a story. Sun Chips is coming back with a new marketing campaign, and I almost talked about that because I love Sun Chips. They're just one of my favorites. I had Bugles on Sunday. Somebody bought, brought a bowl of Bugles to church. Oh man, I love Bugles. I ate almost the whole bowl. I hadn't seen those in decades, you know. And that's what happens. Somebody buys that brand, and they 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 they, they don't they don't care about it, you know. And that's the way it is. So anyway, chief executives have to learn not to play favorites to give each brand an equal shot and equal attention, which is almost impossible. As a parent, I know, you know, some kids get it, have it better than others. HR people need to cool their bureaucratic impulse and um impulses and avoid building general, general, genericizing employer brands, given each brand must be left to do its own thing. I remember... Being asked back in the day to compete with Epsilon in taking over Prime Media's uh, database needs, and I read the spec and I called up Prime Media and I said this isn't going to work, and they said why? And they, I said because you know you're basically combining name, address, etc., but you're not combining any of the nuances that make each title great. They said what do you mean? I said well for example, fly fisherman. And this is, you know, 20 years ago or plus, so I'm not worried about the confidentiality. But Fly Fisherman, one of their number one predictors of long-term subscribers is that they own a passport. And they went to a lot of trouble to ask their subscribers when they join that question: Are you? Do you have a? Do you have a field for that in your database? Own a passport? Well, no. None of the other magazines have that. I know. So what you're going to do is you're going to homogenize all of the interesting data and eliminate it and then you're going to wonder why it doesn't work anymore which is what they did i declined to bid against epsilon i said this is a bad spec it's not going to work and within a couple of years prime media was out of business and had broken up into you know sold off its magazine titles and that was it um so they also have to grow comfortable with intra-company competition a sign of Uh, a well-run, a healthy sign of a portfolio, a well-run portfolio company, not a conflict that needs to be resolved. So everybody thinks you have to have peace between the companies. What works for brand Peter would not be good for brother brand Paul, okay? Five brands usually require five different equally expensive versions of the same thing. Five headquarters, Five creative agencies, five CFOs, five packaging types, five, 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 five. So my cousin was in marketing at Miller Coors at Miller for years and years before Coors bought them. And the idea, of course, was exactly this. You know, we can merge together. We can have bigger market share, bigger ad budgets combined, and everything will be better. And he you know, and every, what can you do? You go along with it. But then he got, he got an assignment, and he's in his, he was in his later years. And uh, we happened to have a company that, was, that had switched over to SAP. And I'm not a fan of SAP. And it took us months just to get our hands on the real data behind the, behind the curtain in SAP. One of my German friends told me no company ever leaves SAP. And the reason is because the company isn't allowed to touch the data. You have to have consultants come in, and nobody rewrites the code. Basically, it's all add-on, botched up blocks of stuff, and everything is a everything is expensive. So anyway, they they decided because now they're a big company, they had to have SAP. They didn't want they wanted to combine their two uh, accounting and and operations computer systems into SAP. So they so my cousin got the job of of being a marketing liaison to that process. And early on they said, "Well, we're going to give all the parts new part numbers." And he said, "Why?" And they said, "Because that's the way modern companies do it." He said, "Well, we only have like a couple dozen part numbers. You know, we have a, a part number for for a case of of Miller, a case of Miller Lite, a keg of Miller, a keg of Miller Lite." And we have part numbers that mean something. Why don't we just use those? We're not going to be creating 100,000 new parts. No, you can't. But everybody in the warehouse knows exactly what our parts mean. No, this is SAP. Anyway, apparently, I think they spent $100 million or something on SAP. And the change orders were, were going to be... He said they were out like way beyond his career, years and years to just change simple stuff like that, like that idea. And he said they would take down the consultants would take down, make notes of every change anybody suggested and give it equal weight to the to the, uh, you know, whether. And and he would ask questions like, well, wait a minute. How many of those do you do a, a month? Oh, two so you want us to change the software because you do do it twice a month? Why don't you just do it? Just write it on the packing slip. <laughs> you know, but there was no sense of that. And finally he retired. <laughs> but this is the kind of thing that happens, is that you get all kinds of bureaucracy in trying to join them together, and it doesn't work out. So Ritson goes on, and I'm now. Uh, the trick is to draw the line between back-of-house savings and front-of-house independence in the perfect place. Smart companies like Adidas are capable of grasping this before they drop all their balls. And so they so they sold Adi- Reebok for $2.5 billion, and everybody at Reebok cheered, apparently, uh, which is quite a bit less than the $4 billion they paid for them back in 2009. The CEO is a licensing veteran who appraise manage and maximize multiple brands a juggler in other words and he's like yay <laughs> the attractions of focus are particularly are partially fisi- uh, fiscal but they're mostly strategic reebok finally gets to play its own game again and and what reebok really needs now is a separate organization that's global dedicated to the reebok priorities after 15 years adidas and reebok have finally worked out that finally worked out to their mutual benefit and they move forward alone. So if you're trying to build six businesses at once, which I kind of tend to do, maybe you should pick one and run with it. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.